0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another week here on Scale Up with Nick Bradley. So today we are gonna get into one of my absolute favorite topics. Now, if my favorite topic is exiting companies, my second favorite topic is buying businesses. And today specifically, we are gonna get into the concept of acquisition entrepreneurship. Now, I have talked about acquisition entrepreneurship previously on other episodes but I've never had the person who literally invented the concept on the show, and that person is Walker Dybel. Now, Walker literally wrote the book on the topic. His book is called Buy Then Build, How Acquisition Entrepreneurs Outsmart the Startup Game. It's a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling book and one of my absolute favorite books on this topic. Now, the thing I like about Walker the most is he has been there and done it. He has bought businesses, he has started businesses. In fact, in fact, he has acquired seven companies outright and he has consulted or participated in over a hundred business transactions.
1: You know, what I'm seeing is that the number of deals out at market has increased.
0: He is the creator of Acquisition Lab, which is the premier accelerator for acquisition entrepreneurship education and community and he has also been featured in forbes entrepreneur inc fast company and the harvard business review
1: as we go from whatever year we're in and we go towards 2030 it always felt like valuations were gonna barbell right and because because this isn't like the stock market where certain companies can come in and certain companies can't right it's just sort of like everything's in there right it's like you gotta discern which ones so it seems to me like the Like, what is the average valuation is going to be less and less meaningful and it's going to stretch out into two camps. So sit back, strap yourself
0: in, get your notebooks out and get ready to go to school, so to speak, because we are going to talk about how you can effectively buy businesses in 2023 and we are going to get right deep into acquisition entrepreneurship. Welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Walker Diver. Hey, everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to another week, another episode of Scale Up. You can tell there's more energy in my voice today than normal, and that is because I have someone on the show today that I have been wanting to meet for a long time. I'm one of the fanboys, and he's going to get embarrassed in a minute. But <laughs> my guest my guest today is Walker Dybel. all right? And for anyone who knows my background in private equity, acquisitions, exits, all those sort of things, this is a guy who wrote the book, I'm going to say the book, Buy Then Build, which has coined the term acquisition entrepreneurship, and dare I say it, started a movement of people going out there and looking at entrepreneurship through a totally different lens. So welcome to the show, Walker.
1: Nick, I'm so excited to be here. I don't know that I can live up to that intro, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. So I was listening to a podcast
0: that you were on before this, which I tend to do. I go for a run, listen to just to sort of see what's happening in my guest world. And I remember on that podcast, apparently you were in a bathroom and and someone came up to you while you were
1: in the urinal. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. I was at a urinal. Yeah.
0: And we joke about the fact that, you know, we might be famous in small circles, but that's taken a bit too far, right?
1: But yeah, I was at a I was at an entrepreneurship through acquisition uh, conference at the University of Chicago, and um, yeah, a mate walked up to me while at the urinal and was like, "Are you Walker Diable? And I was like, "Yes, I'm. I'm taking a pee at the moment. I'll be with you oh, in just a second. <laughs> There's so many
0: things wrong with that. There's so many things wrong about that. But the, yeah. but the the thing that we'll draw a line under is this idea that you're in this kind of like micro niche environment, and when you've written a book like Buy Them Build, which is awesome, of course yeah. you are going to get called out wherever you are. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, in his defense, it was the the style of urinal with the with the sort of like border. So all, for all the men out there, will know this, right? Right. But you know, it's got the borders on the side, so it wasn't it wasn't you know he wasn't all up in my. I can boot. tell
0: you're a nice guy already, Walker. Right.
1: You know, you're, you're conceding <laughs> the fact that I, I,
0: there there is a certain certain set of laws, right, or rules. So you know, anyway, we won't go there, that's not the purpose of today. So Walker, for people who haven't heard of you, now I've talked about sure. you, I think on the show in terms of particularly on the the buying businesses side, I know you do a lot more than that, but for people who don't know you, who you are, can you yep. give us the brief rundown and the brief history, please?
1: Sure, um, so my world is, I th- I always think of it as three legs of the same stool, right? So, so I bought companies for about 10 years. Um, you know, small businesses, like, you know, mostly sub $5 million transactions. Um, and uh, so I still own a couple of companies that that I've acquired that, that I have, right? Then the second leg is um, everything sort of buy then build related, where I where I kind of help, you know, buyers you know, or entrepreneurs understand that buying businesses is just as relevant as, as starting from scratch and, you know, growing organically. And, and number two, sort of the acquisition lab that sort of emerged from buy then build. And then the third leg is, um, I partner with quiet light where we help online, uh, business entrepreneurs exit their business. Right. So, mm-hmm. so well, let's, cut, let's yeah. cover all of this a little bit. If we can,
0: I want to jump, yeah. uh, into, into the acquisition, entrepreneurship piece straight away. Yeah. Where did you come up with that term? Did, did someone say it to you or did you create <laughs> it? Cause I, I always coin it to you because you were the first person who was certainly Thanks. talking about it.
1: I like, the, the thing is, is, is the way I came up with it was, okay, so here's the deal. Like, like I have always run in the sort of entrepreneurship crowd, right? Like, um, you know, everything from starting a business in grad school to being in an accelerator, to being in the entrepreneurs organization at the board, level, you know, all these kinds of things. And so I always ran in that, in that group. And what happened was, um, you know, I, I kept being introduced as someone who buys and sells companies, and Nick, you know that you know being um, in the PE world, when you get introduced to someone who buys and sells companies, it's kind of dope.
0: Oh but, god, yeah.
1: Everyone right? thinks so, you're
0: this cool dude in the room, right? You exactly. Know, I get it.
1: But but when you're with a group of entrepreneurs, they sort of look at you as like, oh, okay, like you don't really do what we do, right? Like you're you obviously like just cheat or whatever. And and it's like, no, you guys are the ones actually missing the whole thing, right? And so right. I was trying to come up with a sense of like how how do i get this across and so you know we've all heard the term sort of like you know internet entrepreneurs or real estate entrepreneurs or you know gig economy whatever it is and so and so i just was like it's acquisition entrepreneur it's starting by by buying right rather than from scratch
0: yeah and 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 you're so much i mean it makes so much sense when you unpack it right and for people yeah. for people who are kind of coming across the term for the first time, which to be honest with you, would surprise the hell out of me, because you know, you should be listening to my podcast much more. But even so, um, you don't have to be the person who does all the hard yards, that creative point, right? When someone starts a business, you can pick up the foundations of something that has already been built, and you can optimize and you can improve.
1: More than that, Nick, I mean, the thing is, is that like most businesses, okay, like if you if, if you're Peter Thiel, and you've got the sort of zero to one versus n plus one kind of startup, right? Like most businesses that are starting from scratch do not need to start from scratch because they're trying to build some kind of infrastructure that already exists, that more often than not can be acquired for cheaper and more directly and faster than, be, than you know, creating the whole, you know, wheel all over again. So like that's whenever it's I'm kind of like to- it's
0: kind of like cheating for those people though isn't it? Cuz like you and I would look at it and go that's smart like go and buy some assets or acquire them yeah. in clever ways but yeah. these creative entrepreneurs don't see it like that, right? Yeah,
1: maybe but but the thing is is that like they ultimately do, right? I mean even when you think about like the most the most innovative entrepreneurs like of the century, right? Like Apple buys tons of companies like you oh, know hundreds. I mean yeah Elon Musk did not start PayPal; he bought it. Elon Musk did not start Tesla; he got sued for calling himself a co-founder. Elon Musk didn't start Twitter; everyone knows that one. <laughs> everyone knows that one. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, we talk, I talked that. about that last week on the show. <laughs> right, 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 right. So then you got then you got you know Bill Gates. I mean, I think Microsoft in the last five years alone has acquired almost a hundred companies. Right. So you don't you don't really hear about the fact that you know like. The thing is, is that like big companies know that aqu- that aqu- acquisition is part of the part of the recipe, right? It's organic growth and it's acquisition. Those are the two ways to grow a company. That's it. That's it. And so the, the point, thing- though, like you know what I find
0: interesting, and we can I, I'm going to enjoy the riff as I said backwards and forwards on this, yeah. is I the, the thing I did in private equity more than anything else was turnarounds, right? And there's a lot of we could go down the rabbit hole in, into why that happened, right? Yeah. However, what I found to be true is a lot of people really struggle in the startup to scale up phase yeah. right for, for lots of different reasons because there's there's certain um there's a certain mindset firstly and a certain level of experience and capability that works very well at the beginning phases right the early stages mm-hmm. which transitions when you have more people more process more complexity and i know a lot of businesses or i should say entrepreneurs who never make the shift right yeah. they have to bring someone else in and google's a classic example of that i'm sure there's many we could go back on the force because they themselves don't identify with what we just talked about, this idea that there's a different way of operating. What do you Mm. think about that? Do you think everyone can make the transition or do you think there's a certain point where you have to make that choice? How does it work in your mind?
1: uh, Nick, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, I, I wish I had a, a canned answer for that one. Oh, I you think. must know. <laughs> <laughs> don't disappoint me. The book's great. No, I, like... <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think you've I think you've hit the nail on the head, right? It's kind of it's kind of the point, right? I think more often than not, you know, there, there's there's this sort of like, you know, we, we all we all know the sort of life cycle of the business, right? With the with the early stage and then the growth phase and the mature phase, right? And, and we, you can actually look at that life cycle of industry and figure out when certain groups are acquiring those businesses, right? So, so, I mean, it's, it's, in other words, it's on both sides of the coin. And I think that most entrepreneurs know how to start a business, um, but, but ultimately don't know how to run one once, once you've got enough infrastructure, Mm, I, I will completely support you in that comment. But of course, I mean, there's always, you know, there's always Steve Jobs, right? Who's just sort of like, you know, there's always people who kind of walk on water and can do it all right?
0: Well, but- you know what, you you see that and then you you realize they've also got a lot of great people around them.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well. Right. They've already got their team. That's true. Yeah.
0: So back to you a little bit here, just so we can sort of go a bit deeper into that. So when did you make your first acquisition?
1: That would have been in 2006, right? Okay. So I was, I was going to grad school and um, during my MBA, I, you know, everyone else was like trying to get a job. And I was like, well, I'll just try to start a business because what, when else do you have this kind of like resume shield situation? Right. And was doing rather well at that. And um, about a month before we graduated, we had, we were in conversations with a company that wanted to roll out our product nationwide. And we were trying to figure out like, okay, if we get this order, like how the heck are we going to actually deliver? And that's what I was working on the month leading up. Right. And we were in this like, you know, business plan competition, all the rest of it. And then um, we were using a technology that we didn't create. We licensed it and we got the license yanked. So anyone who has been to, you know, business school knows that there's like that one or two kids at the very end of the year that like doesn't have a job. I was that guy.
0: <laughs> I literally—that's like, that's literally, a, a gift, isn't it, Walker? Because yeah. like a lot of them end up in graduate programs with <laughs> Unilever.
1: But like all of the employers were like, "Yeah, no, thanks." Like I didn't even—I ha- was not trying to get a job. I just wasn't. I was there for the education, and I guess I was being dumb. But that's just how I approached it. And then everyone was like, "Well, okay, what are you going to do?" And I was like, "Well, I, I think there's a way that I can like buy like buy an existing company." and they're like oh okay so you have a bunch of money then that must be nice and i'm like no no you like go to the bank like the you know like we're all talking about startups cuz like we can't go to the bank so we're raising money cuz we can't go to the bank we're trying to create an infrastructure that doesn't exist but like when you have you know a, a company that's been around for 20 years and it has earnings and customers and infrastructure you just go to the bank like they give you the money and everyone's like yeah that's not how it works and i'm like I think it is. <laughs> it is back. I mean, back
0: there, doing a time yeah. check here, it is a bit unusual. And and we'll jump forward yeah. to what's happening today with with grads coming cool. out as well. But but back yeah. then, that's I mean, it sounds so simple when you say it,
1: but it's not what you were I, taught though, was it really? Oh I mean, Nick, I mean my, my I went I, I was talking to my professors after graduation. And they were like, This is the dumbest idea. Like, do not do this. Wow. They, they were like, This is such a dumb idea. And now, of course you know, they, they're, they're trying to keep me teaching at the old school of business. And like, I can't, I can't keep doing it. It's just too time consuming. But, um, but, uh, um, yeah, they tried to talk me out of it. And then, and then by the way, even when you bought, even when I, I, I bought a book printing company about two years later and which is a long search, right? I mean, you know, we can we can talk about that, but the, but the point is, is that I bought this company and then I was met with, you know, one of the good things about buying existing companies, you know, Nick, is you sort of like, you know the lay of the land and you're able to quickly identify the things that aren't working, right? Yeah. When you're starting a company from scratch, like we are at the acquisition lab, the irony is not lost on me that I've started a company from scratch to try to tell people not to buy it. Oh, don't know, worry. I, I've start- had
0: that conversation with my consultancy. It's like, why did you, why did you go and do that after doing all these things at
1: Blackstone and whatever? I said, I don't know. I, yeah. I, just, I wanted
0: to, I wanted to see if I could do it.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like every day you're trying to like make a decision about something that doesn't exist you know and you're like i don't really go and there are these decision trees and you don't really know what you're doing it's just sort of like that way right um but when you buy a company there's there's existing problems that are pretty pretty easily identified and pretty easy to tackle
0: did you find that you were good at that i find in my experience and and different people i've met are usually better at being able to spot issues and they tend to be people like me who used to do turnarounds versus yeah. people
1: who are naturally creative hmm I think that <clears throat> I was thinking about this this morning um since we talked about the urinal already, I'll mention the shower. I was thinking about this in the shower. Okay, there's, there's, my, a, my there's a there's a better story.
0: Okay. Yeah, my thought, <laughs> no my one, thought, no yeah. one, visited you in the shower. I'm, I'm going to start to wonder. I'm not going to I'm not going to turn up to a, an event with you and speak on stage, Walker. Because
1: <laughs> anyway, but, let's go yeah. to the shower story. My, my daughter did interrupt and ask if she could pull the iron out while I was in the shower. But anyway, that's a different oh, great, story. Brilliant. But anyway, so um, I was sitting there thinking to myself that you know it's sort of like. It's sort of like when you start a business. There's this phase of you know when you're sort of planting, right? Like I was talking to someone yesterday who wanted to sell their company, but all, all it was was like a little sprout had come out of the ground, and there there was nothing to sell yet. It was just like still right. potential and dream. And yes, they had done all this stuff, but it was it had just sprouted, right? And It was this sort of like like you you the plant. It was beyond the planting phase, but now they needed to like I don't know what's what's the word like like um grow grow the plant. It's almost
0: like you have to incubate it beforehand. But I, I know what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like the incubate phase or something and then and then comes the harvest phase right where yeah. you're like okay i built this thing now now i'm gonna whatever sit back and make fat cash and i've got this business that runs on autopilot which by the way just so everyone knows is kind of not real but c- no. can directionally get there but anyway so the point <laughs> is is when you buy these companies you're typically bu- more often than not you're typically buying them from someone who's in harvest phase Right. At whatever level that is. Right. It's it's sort of like I'm not going to take on like a whole nother, you know, like like project to try to level up. I'm, I'm going to sit in harvest phase. So we buy them kind of thinking like, oh, I'm going I'm walking right into harvest phase. But you're not. You're actually usually you're using leverage. OK, because you want the ROI and because you want the capital and all the rest of it and you want and you want the cash on cash returns and all the rest of it. And so by by changing the balance sheet, taking a company from harvest and then levering it up so that you can acquire it, you're usually rewinding it for yourself all the way back to that. Just that post, you know, now now you've got to work on on kind of growing that plant again. Right. You've got to you've got to reduce all the fat that you just that you just put on the business business and like get it get it strong again right oh god it's really it's a really clever way you yeah keep going because this is i haven't heard it explained like this before i've got some comments yeah i just sort of was i was thinking about in the shower i'm like why are all why are people why are they getting confused in this transaction and that's what's happening right they're looking at something and and you know but but they're transforming the fitness of the company the minute they they acquire it and um uh, Nick, I've now forgot the question. <laughs> well, we're talking about the shower. No, I, I, I was, I was,
0: the, the question that was, was around the ability to spot your oh, yeah, personal yeah, yeah. ability to spot um, mm. challenges, mm. let's call it, that could be turned yeah. into opportunities in businesses.
1: Yeah. And so what, what, um, what I've discovered in my experience is that I'm, I'm very good at spotting them. Um, I'm, I'm real, my strength is not in fixing them. Right. And what I what I think is is going on is that because you're sort of rewinding the the place of the business. Right. The cash coming in has to do so many things. Right. That like you really are kind of bootstrapping inside a situation. And, you know, um, I have utmost respect for, you know, type A former military operationally strong people. I am not one of them. I'm a revenue generator, I, I know how to market, I know how to sell, you know, I'm very good at B2B sales, like I can, I can talk on a stage, like I, I know how to drive a top line. And I know how to, I know how to um, think about a business strategically, and I know it needs to happen. But I can't always do it, right. And so I find that when I buy businesses, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but this is the truth, I grow them incrementally, right. But here's the deal, once I pay down the debt, and then I go for an exit, it's actually quite incredible, because I get my returns just by growing the business incrementally and having the business paid on the debt, right? Do you um, do you follow your own
0: book advice in terms of, do you do roll-ups? Do you like look at it as a platform and then look to mm. you know bolt on other businesses? So when you say you incrementally yeah. grow it, are you doing the strategic
1: stuff as well or not? So what's really funny is um, <clears throat> I like, t- this is a two-part answer. First, sure. um, what I would say is, is the biggest mistake I ever made was buying a whole bunch of smaller businesses in, like, different verticals, right? And and number two, I think it was in 2019, um, I brought together an, an M&A attorney and an online marketing guy, and we went around pitching this idea of, of um, doing a roll-up of online businesses. Okay, This is pre-aggregator, pre-FBA aggregator, right? We were early. And so the thing is, is that's where I saw the, the the opportunity to just be able to like scale quickly because the core competencies were so the same. So <clears throat> Nick, to answer the question, I got to a point where, you know, I had three different businesses in that all had acquired through acquisition, like, but like one, right. And then there were yeah. three different, uh, three completely different industries, three completely different management teams, three completely different. Geographical locations, three completely different value propositions, completely different customer buildup. And, you know, I like to quote often um there's this movie called Print the Legend, right? And uh full disclosure, I was an executive producer on it. I had nothing to do with the creative, but it's a great movie on entrepreneurship, second ever Netflix original. It opens with Brad Feld, right? He's this sort of iconic. I oh, know, Brad. He's been on okay. the show. <laughs> great. So Brad says, opening sentence. When you're a leader, when you're a CEO, every day something comes up and smacks you in the face, right? We can relate to that. And what I would tell you is when when you have three different companies and three different with different, with different, with different, and my head was just on swivel all the time. And I literally, so here's the deal. I owned all the companies. I owned them 100%, okay? I needed no outside capital, but I could not possibly buy any more companies. And my head was just kind of on swivel all the time. How did you get? Right? How did Enjoy. you do
0: that? I mean, like you know, there's, there's, sometimes there's a, there's a saying that it's difficult to scale your own business, right? You get too attached sometimes. If I go mm-hmm. into someone, if I came into your business, I'd probably see things differently than what you see them, right? Totally. Is totally. that what it was? Because that's kind of the opposite of what you talk about in the book. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I, my thought was I would be the kind of like, you know, smallest private equity company that nobody had ever heard of. Like that was my initial. That's experience. the vision that was my initial approach. And what, what, what I tell all buyers that come in the acquisition lab is, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Now, by then build, I, ta- I mentioned growing, you know, like growing through acquisition or doing roll-ups, but like, that's not what the book is. That's not what the book is. The book is intended to shake entrepreneurs out of their belief system and say like, there, there's a, there's, I'm not saying a better way for everybody, but there's another way and if I can cuss, God damn it! you really need to be looking and understanding well, this as an avenue, right? As I
0: said, I said it sparked what I would call now a movement for good and for bad, right? Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about about this before pressing record. I, I appreciate it's not necessarily the playbook, right? You know, there are yeah. different nuances that, you know, you're probably doing now through the acquisition lab, which go deeper into the education side of this, yeah. right? Yeah. But what I think was interesting about it is, and this is something that's that's just crazy to me is you've got all these people running around the place now trying to buy businesses with no money. The whole what I call the zero down movement, right? Yeah, that's terrible. And that's not what you said. Certainly no. not what I talk about. We I mean, uh-uh. we, in private equity, we laugh at that we call it the, the jokers, right? Yeah. yeah. What, what's your thought? I mean, what's your thought on how this has happened? Is, is it just the, the fact that any sort of good marketing or multi level marketing person can take a concept and then just go at it? I'm just oh, yeah. curious because no, I mean, like right now, as we talk about this at the end of 2022, yeah, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah. Let's be very frank. That's clickbait. If I wanted to sell tickets to the acquisition lab or sell more copies to buy them build, all I need to do is add a chapter about that, right? Or run an ad about that. And I, I stay away from it. I've done it before actually, right? Like like it can happen, but it's if if that's your strategy going in, like you're just going to fail. And if you're trying to, let's just say, if I, let's just say, that by then build, I think, you know, I've sold like 70,000 copies. Let's pretend that I sold 70,000 copies to people and I told 70,000 people like, hey, check it out, you can buy a business with no money down. I am doing a disservice to all of those people, except maybe one, okay, maybe seven, okay, right? And I'm doing a bigger disservice to all of the brokers and all of the owners and the whole industry that is going to be the recipient of all of this nonsense, okay? And, and, and at the lab on day one, I actually create this bell curve and I show like three standard deviations out. And over here, on the one hand, I show search funds. OK, and I'm like, I know you hear a lot about these. They're way over here. OK, and then there's way over here. There's like buy a business with no money down. Right. And, and like either one of these is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the private capital markets and how they actually operate right and like no, how i love it-
0: this i want to see a copy of the bell curve because that's that's a nice articulation because you're right because even even you know these search funds and the way that they operate i get because i get mm-hmm. pulled into these because they approach my clients going hey you know you know we've got all this capital and then you find out they haven't got any no it's
1: like a it's like an independent sponsor but like also without the experience independent sponsor there's another word for it Uh, what is it? Fundless sponsor. Fundless sponsor. sponsor. I don't have no money, but it's no money and no experience. Now, now, okay. But full defense of of the search fund model, if I were a graduating MBA today and had no real experience and there's like a group of, of, of investors that wanted to fund a search for me, I, I would be looking that that direction. Well, I was right? going to
0: ask this because, you know, as yeah. we as just to go back to what we spoke about a few minutes ago, like, you know, you were one of the few people who didn't take the job at Google or whatever out of the MBA yeah. program, I would imagine. And tell me if I'm wrong, that these days yeah. there are more people going through these MBA programs, getting excited about this concept and probably wanting oh, yeah. to be that person as opposed to getting the big corporate job. So there's I, a shift.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. And and the thing is, is I'm I'm like, if you're me and you go on social media, you're just hammered with like buy a business kind of stuff which is kind of ridiculous because i almost didn't publish the book because i was like i was scared that everyone was gonna like laugh that this was a terrible idea and like all my thoughts were actually written down now you know (laughs) like really
0: um, did you really think that i mean because it's when you think about obviously hindsight's great but it's a logical thing and and then you add that dimension of obviously people retiring and baby boomers all that stuff the statistics of wealth transfer you kind of were ahead of the curve a bit, weren't you? I mean, that did you look at that research when you were thinking about this?
1: I can't explain to you, Nick, how this was not even an idea out there like when, when we launched By Then Build. It was not even an idea. And like- Really? I, I got a call um, or I got a text uh, two days ago from someone in the space and he met with someone actually from the acquisition lab. They were hanging out, maybe doing a deal. And he was like, we were just like crying that you don't like own hashtag SMB Twitter. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to tweet. Like, I know how to write a book. I can't write a sentence. I don't care. Like, I don't want to be on social like that, you know? Um, and <laughs> it was so early that oh, it occurred to me. I was like, I should start writing about this on social media. And I, and I chose LinkedIn. And I wrote a whole bunch of articles and got published for a year and like did a whole LinkedIn thing. But Um, but but
0: I I respect that because I mean that's I mean I I, I've as I said we spoke again before we press record which often happens and we have great conversations before anyone can actually hear them Um, Mm -hmm. you know speak I speak on stages you speak on stages and I've gone to some events where you try to get you get pulled into these these ecosystems let's call it that right where people say oh you've got to blow up your social media you've got to have 50 million followers on Instagram and I'm like dude I I don't even know I don't want to do that I don't want to go and film spaghetti in a restaurant and then say, well, look where I am. I
1: mean, mean?
0: it just doesn't work for me. But what what I think is interesting though, is the message that you delivered through the book. And obviously we'll talk about the acquisition lab in a sec as well, um, is still a very, very important message. And what we have to not let happen, I think is the internet marketers or whatever they, whatever we call them. Um, we can't let them win, you know, there's a bit where how how do we rise to the top of all this because we're not putting out there the sensationalist copy. Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? Because because well, I'd hate that to be the case that every every person in Nigeria thinks they can buy a business in North America. Because and I, I I say that because I get them hitting me up, asking me how they can do it. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure you do. Yeah. Because yes. some ads said that you know you can turn up with, you know, your dog in a boat and that's all you need.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, look, I, I think that you know, this came up in our conversation. Like, I, I stood on what well, I think two two times ago. I was on stage in a room with somebody that um, talks about this yeah. buying businesses with no money down situation, and I said, um, and it was a room of entrepreneurs that this individual was teaching. And I said, okay, uh, who in this room is going to sell me their business without accepting any cash at closing? And not a single hand went up. <laughs> really? Well, the, the whole room didn't put their hand yeah. up and say, yes, Walker, your book's great. I'm right. going to give you my company. So the thing is, is that like, even if you have a tired business, the odds of it being the single most valuable thing that a person has is, is like really high, right? So you're talking about something that, you know, someone's put their, their life in or their time in, they've built something of value, you know, usually from scratch, they've run it for, you know, three 5 10 20 years right they they built this thing it's probably they're in the harvest phase it's generating money even if it needs to be turned around like it's still like they see it right i mean it's us from the outside it's hard and so it's sort of like they're not going to just give it away right and there's this whole like oh i'm going to do earn ins and like whatever and i and i'm like i remember someone early on after i bought the printing company they they asked me they wanted they were like how about we do a whole bunch of marketing for you and then we get equity and I was just like, I'm sorry, I'd rather just pay you your fee. Like, why on earth would I give you the, like, the most valuable thing that I have, right? Yeah. Not only that, but I had a personal guarantee on the debt. So, why would I give away <laughs> the equity? Well, it, you know? know, but some people yeah. don't
0: understand it. And, and this is where I think it's quite good to demystify this in a conversation between you and I, because right. they think it sounds good. Right. They, they get, they get told this idea that, oh, you know, give give up a little bit of equity and we can transform right now. Again, it depends on what phase of harvest you're in for that to be attractive or not. But, but I'm, I, you know, one of the things that I get really annoyed about and very upset about is this idea that, you know, someone who has put 30, 40 years into their business, right. And it is ideally going to be the biggest transaction of their life. Yes. Someone's going to come and knock on the door and, say these things. I think it's yeah. it's funny, but I, I represent a lot of business owners who are dealing with this right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. terrible. The way the way the answer your question, how do we beat them? I mean, I, I think that um, I think that acquisition entrepreneurship is a concept that happens to be really popular right now. Okay. I also believe that it is going to hold in the way that you know, say, real estate investing has held or right over the last I don't know, 2530 years since you know, whatever, rich dad, poor dad came out or whatever. Um, I think it will hold, but I also think that it's going to cycle. And I and I think that um, when the, you know, rising tide raises all boats, but I think that as the tide lowers, I think that a lot of people that, that are kind of selling um, clickbait uh, will sort of move on to, you know, whatever the next thing is. They do uh, say, uh, they, they say the game of business is
0: often a game of attrition.
1: Meaning that like, that
0: like, you know, the yeah. people who stick it out and are authentic and credible are the ones who, mm-hmm. who are there at the end,
1: right? You know? Yeah. Um, and I but do the, believe that. And at the acquisition lab, we we um we interview people, right? Like people apply. They have to apply. And uh you we talked about this, like this is this is not a hey, I wrote a book, come check out my mastermind, right? Like only about 25% of applicants get accepted, right? Um, but we saw a shift um about uh, what, what month is it? About, about four months ago, there was, there was about a six week period of time where people would come into the interview and say like, well, why should I pick you instead of one of your competitors? And mm, we were like, "Interesting." we were like, what what competitors are you possibly talking about? Like, <laughs> did, you, did you actually, I mean, you, you invented must. This. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, I, 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 you must you have to- like, in, in your business
0: strategy planning, you must kind of look at the market a bit and go, I, I get that you could definitely credibly say that, but then you've got these people out there with the clickbait ads. And of course, as Dude. a consumer who doesn't know or a because even even someone coming out of a great corporate gig or whatever who wants to move into acquisition entrepreneurship they just might not know
1: no i I think that's i think that's that's totally fair and that's what we were faced with there for about six weeks and it it went away but like it was kind of interesting it was like i'm sorry like you must not understand what we do here (laughs) i do love that i do love that turn of phrase it's like (laughs)
0: Hold on, hold on. Let's, we're interviewing you,
1: right? Let's be super clear. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. How do you, but, uh,
0: going into, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Acquisition Lab and then I want to talk about trends um, moving yeah. into 23, but Love it. It, how do you, if, if you kind of look at what you're trying to build and how you differentiate yourself, what are the key tenants then of the Acquisition Lab versus this sea of other people trying to sell courses and masterminds and programs? <laughs> yeah, so yeah.
1: So when I wrote By then Built, in addition to this gentleman at the urinal, there was, you know, probably like just like 20 calls a week, right? People that knew me, or, you know, it was sort of like, hey, can we jump on a call? Can we like whatever? And it was like, if I take all these calls, I can't do anything, right? Yeah. So it didn't work. So I was like, all right, how would I do this where I would sort of, you know, teach at scale? And the concept was pretty simple. And it, and it was, um, <clears throat> so I was, I was an early investor in a company called Codesmith. Okay. And today they are um, this, th- the highest performing coding academy out there. They were not the first, okay, but but they have the highest um, level of uh, uh, graduates employed ninety days after, and highest average starting salary in the industry every month, like just like that. And so it was it was CodeSmith was a big influence, and also a company called Veritas Prep, who exactly. was co-founded by the the guy that wrote the forward to Buy them Build, sort of this elite. Uh, experience right and how do we build it and the, and the concept was okay number one I'm gonna I'm gonna build world-class education so what is world-class education mm-hmm. and how do I build it right and so I went in and started learning about higher order thinking and like all the rest of it and I I, I hired um, someone who um is a curriculum designer for you know accredited programs and certification yep.
0: programs it's called pedagogy in my old world of ed tech.
1: there you go yeah yeah yeah. So, <laughs> And then and then I took the material and sort of expanded it and taught some of it at the old School of Business a couple of times, et cetera, and then I was like number two so world class you know education yep. check number two i and, oh and yeah, number two, and then um I need vetted a vetted group, right okay. and, and it's not like you want to give us money, you're in that was not it at all and the and Nick, I mean, look, let me just say like this, you would get in.
0: Oh, thank you. My point is, my point is this. You well, I'm going to ask. I want to go deeper into this. I mean, who yeah. does get in? That's great. Okay. Like, but, yeah. but who, who who can't get in? Let's 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 yeah. let's go because people listening to this they're probably thinking this sounds so much better than the other stuff I'm seeing out there.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't, <laughs> so, I don't. want to like. I don't want to give away everything that we're going for. But like, one of the questions we have is like, you know, can you access hundred thousand yeah. dollars? Right. Like, just it's not like on the one hand, it is not a lot of money. On the other hand, it's a lot of money, right? So it's sort of like, if I ask you, can you act? I'm not asking if you have it, I'm asking if you can access it. And if someone yeah. says no, they're just not ready. I
0: love they're the distinction by the way of the word access, yeah. because that's not asking about someone's net, you know, net worth or, or cash in bank. It's asking about their ingenuity yeah. and their resourcefulness, right?
1: That's right. Now, now here, here's the other thing. Like, like, if you go to the acquisitionlab.com and just look at people that have gone through the program, okay, you'll find people that, you know don't have you know this you know um extensive resume at all but like they have the right attitude they can be a ceo and they ended up buying a company maybe sub million dollar in revenue right and um you know i mean it's just it doesn't matter but on the other hand in this last cohort we had a guy who took two companies public on the nasdaq okay, and the wow. group the group is strong right and and you get into the slack channel and everything and it's one of these it, i didn't expect the community to, to end up so strong. And I'm wondering, God, how am I actually a part of this group of people? Yeah. But half
0: of the concept of a mastermind in its truest form, right? Not the ones that we referenced is it's not about your ability to teach or guide or even curate. Mm -hmm. It's your ability Mm -hmm. to get the people together. That's right. Right. And then they cross pollinate.
1: Yeah. So two more things. Then we, then obviously, you know, we, we sort of build out the tools and resources, right. And, you know, so they can jump in and do the spreadsheet and the analysis and all the rest of it. And last and not least, I really did not want the Acquisition Lab to be the Walker-Diebel show. And so we currently have 10 advisors. Um, and once you run through the month-long intensive, you get to interact with um, uh, really 11 of us. So every other week, I run the search forum. And then about every week, I think we have, let's see, one, two, three, uh, Let's say between four and seven coaching calls at all times, and everyone right. has to sign an NDA, right? And it's also able-
0: now it's also now now exitable in its own right. And I have to say that because yeah, I would because you've created something which is not about you, right? You're not the the guy who has to go there and do everything. You've created an asset underneath that with different resources. I get it. It's very good. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's exitable yet. Um, um, and you know, I like I I'm not building it to exit. It's more like how do we build the university, or how do we how do we build an an elite program around you know that that's not elitist, you know what I'm saying? But but like how do how do we build like a, like a world class program that can help people actually do this? And in the last eighteen months, we've helped um, people. We've 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 just acquired over or they've acquired over a hundred million in transactions, which was a really nice milestone. That's wow. And how a- many
0: people are actually in the program at any one time or how many How many? Uh, is, is it a limited cohort
1: or do you actually have different rolling cohorts how's it work yeah yeah so so we have um the the month-long intensive is is a cohort that no matter what will not exceed 23 people okay the average cohort okay. tends to be about 16 people these days um and then after that you just sort of join the whole whole community right and we all sort of work together but the point is to get everyone up to speed same language same process right that you know and because I I started, I would have these one-on-one coaching calls with everybody. And number one, I would answer all the same questions. And number two, I would answer everything that's in the first month. So it's like, I just need everyone up to speed. And then we start having AMA sessions and the questions just get elevated.
0: Right. And I take it there's a lot of cross collaboration and deals being done together.
1: And are are you helping with the deal structuring and the financing as well? Um, yes and no. Right. Like, so in other words, like we obviously don't provide the financing, but yes, we go through the bank section and, you know, offer all kinds of people that do that. And the, and the deal structuring, um, does that's really the purpose of the search forum is that a lot of coaching calls are, okay, I'm going to talk to you, Nick, for six minutes and then I kind of need to move on. And it's like, well, I'm trying to like buy a company, like, you know, so we need to kind of drill into it. So in the search forum that's every other week, we'll run, you know, 40 to 60 minutes um, just on your deal, right? And it's, you know-
0: And I can imagine that helps everyone as well. It's like, you know, when I run um, some of my coaching calls, group coaching calls, you know, there might be a question that's been um, answered for someone, but I often say it's not just for the person who asked the question, right? You know, that's it's that's be exactly rough. right.
1: That's that's yeah, that's yeah, because a lot of this is just reps, right? Nick, you yeah. got to get like familiar with with all these deals. And so if I can just sit on as a fly on the wall and listen to a coach at the lab who's you know acquired whatever a dozen companies themselves talk to you about your deal, and you're like getting that courage and that confidence to take that leap of faith to actually leave scale up with Nick Bradley and buy a company. Just kidding, but you know, you no, know, That's so, all right. Like, no. I mean you make that leap, right? Like, so that's that's powerful. I agree. Yeah. So,
0: what's the what is the vision with the Leaders Lab? You know, we can talk about it from you know next year as we're, we're doing this now as we transition into 2023, um, or or further out. What do you want to create ultimately?
1: So it's it's really been crawl, walk, run, right? Like like ultimately, we're just I'm just trying to create like the single best, you know, maybe call it an accelerator for people yep. learning how to acquire small businesses, right? That's it. And that's small it. businesses, Absolutely. just
0: definitional. What what's the size generally? You said you've done a hundred million of deals, but that's a lot of transactions, I'd imagine. Is it under twenty million? That's what sort of
1: yeah, I think. Yeah, I I think of it as sub twenty five million. I think okay. of that as sort of a category. Um, but let's be honest. I mean, you know, the vast majority of people are you know taking an SBA loan and acquiring a business. So you're looking at most often, more often than not sub six million. Probably yeah, I mean the, but profit. even under the,
0: the 25 million we're talking below the private equity radar right you know totally. um and certainly it's definitely going to be more that sort of transactional piece with the broker landscape mainly a little bit but you know you are yeah. going to be dealing with a person buying a business from another person right <laughs> with a bit of debt you know financing as opposed to going into these these bigger entities yeah. and are, are any of them at this stage building businesses up into the middle market i mean obviously there's an ambition i'd imagine to exit some of these are they are they at this stage yet or are they still a bit early stage
1: no no a lot of them are coming into this saying hey i want to do a roll up right mm, and, and interesting yeah you know, like, hey, i want to buy we had, we had a member who bought three home health care companies uh just in about like a four-month time period and i was like wow yeah. that's pretty fast it's pretty fast amazing
0: pretty fast. when I, i've got a, a client at the moment up in um the north of where i am here in the uk who's bought i think it's 15 medical practices in the space of 18 mm-hmm. months. Just yeah. basically consolidating them all together. He's struggling a little bit now with the integration,
1: which I said he was Yes, wanted. the integration's hard. And, and and you know, what I would say is, is it just depends so much, Nick, on your experience, right? So so a lot of times, you know, like a few weeks ago, I was giving a talk at again at the Owen School of Business and, and one of the students said like, well, how do I do what you did? Like, how do I buy like seven companies? Like, you just buy it and move on? And I'm like, whoa, like buy one. Like yeah, just buy one and like run it, right? Like, d- like just... You gotta, you gotta learn what's going on here. Especially It comes back
0: to reps again as well. And like exactly. you know, one of the fears right. I have, and this happens a little bit. We don't work um, with these people, but they come to me after they've they've been successful in buying a business, no money down. And okay. there is there is something to be said for the relentless nature of just going hard at, at that market and trying to find yeah. distressed sellers. But then yeah. they pick the business up and they have no idea what to do with it. And they like because if you knock yeah. on the door saying,
1: uh, "I've got a business, I don't I don't know what to do," yeah doing a turnaround is really bloody hard right i mean it's really it's really hard you got to get a lot right and it's long hours and um if you don't have skin in the game on a turnaround i mean nick i mean what do you think what are the odds are going to succeed
0: well i i think you have to have your own leverage right and and for me for me that means that you know and this is where i think it falls down there there are a few people who it's screaming. Uh, there are a few people who teach going out there and just buying these distressed businesses. And I know a few people who have done that and had to put themselves, you know, they then have to go and run the thing because they haven't got any leverage, right? Mm-hmm. So their skin mm-hmm. in the game is not necessarily money, but it's, it's their time, which is worse. Yeah.
1: But yeah. I think I mean, I guess you've got to have to, something. Yeah. And I guess going back to social media, you know, if you had a million followers on Twitter, and you bought a company that you could then turn around and advertise to your million followers on Twitter, that makes sense, right? that's something that's something that you're bringing to yeah. the table. Well, that's an asset. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um yeah, and that that's that's how we think about things. Is so step one is figure out what the hell you bring to the table. Don't look at the businesses yet.
0: Yeah. And and as you said beforehand, you know, crawl before you can walk, before you can run, before you can do a yeah. marathon. I get it. Yeah let's let's finish up great conversation by the way i, I love the fact that you've shared the vulnerabilities of your journey as much as you know the insights so it's been really fun um let's talk about you know we're we're 2023 now and the, the we talked a little bit about the market what do yeah. you think the key trends are that you can see over the next 12 months in this let's call it the m a landscape
1: yeah um okay um I love your thoughts. So I'll talk, but then let's, let's show okay. what, you, what you think. I, I, I think that th- this is, this is, um it's a little tougher to see, right? Everyone's been, been pounding the table about a recession, you know, for a year now, it seems like that we seem to be waiting on or are we in it or no, yeah, you know? Um, But, the, but I think the point is, is that, you know, what I'm seeing is that the number of deals out at market has increased. Okay, but slightly over, say, last year, the year before. And, you know, what happens is that there's a few different reasons why a potential seller might sell their business. Okay, the first and in no particular order, the first is that they had a five plus year plan to grow it to a certain size. And now they can get that number and they're right on plan and they're going to sell it. Best case scenario. Number best case scenario, by the way, for the buyer, too. Okay, don't just look at distressed deals, right? Like go look at the ones that are awesome, by the way. Number two is um, I'm exhausted and I just wanna move on, right? And number three is I don't is, is that the M&A market is so strong that all of your entrepreneur friends around you are selling and they start talking about like these really high multiples and you're like, well, sh- geez, I really should like evaluate this and then they end up like going to market. Because like they're like oh well if I can get this number then I'll go to market I feel like that's what we're seeing right now um, 2020 is over okay mm-hmm, uh, yep. I do I do work with Quiet Light and what I would tell you is we're actually going to end the year up in transactions over last year okay um, which is like frankly a surprise to me but but uh, deals are still getting done is the point mm-hmm. um, but what it what it feels like is that is that and I don't mean this in re- response directly for quiet light but the market as a whole it feels like there's more businesses out there it feels like the the market is sobering up okay deals are still getting done and i think that if you look at the trends you'll you'll just start to predict that there's going to be a current where we move from a seller's market to a buyer's market right and i don't know that that's always a good thing for the buyers in this in this asset class it's really quite interesting right Um, In other words, Mm, do I mean by that. And when are we going to hit it? Is it 2023, right? And, you know, talking about that clickbait, a lot of people are like, oh, man, get ready. Like there's going to be all these cheap businesses next year when we hit the recession and all the rest of it. What I would tell you from, you know, I've been doing this for, geez, I mean, well, since 2004, 2006, right? And what I would tell you is that I've been through a couple of these cycles in the private marketplace, private capital market. And what happens is that all the great businesses go home they don't want to sell in a down buyers market. Right. And so like it makes it the market changes and there's different opportunities, but you know, it's, it's, you're going to see a lot more of these sort of turnaround situations or a lot of like, Hey, I'm tired. Like, I don't want to do this. And the year over year trends are going to be down. Right. And, um, but as the sellers think that they're going to keep getting these sort of rich valuations, the buyers are going to start saying no you're not cost of capital's going up you know like like you know recession's coming your trends are down and that's going to start impacting valuations to the point that sellers are going to not sell
0: yeah interesting very good i mean i i've got a couple of i, I align with a lot of that there's a couple of yeah. um distinctions to it Please tell me. And, and as much as i don't work directly with the private equity firms, I'm still connected into them. And of course, a lot yeah. of the exits that I help uh, lead and orchestrate are going to go into those financial buyers. I was in New York a few weeks back having a chat to a number of PE firms just about this year and and the cycle that we're in. And yeah. a couple of things they said, which were really fascinating and, and, and to some extent to be expected, but a couple of things weren't. One, of course, is cost of capital, the way that debt is leveraged to do deals means that the multiples are going to be looked at differently. That's one yep. thing. Yep. But what has happened is there's been such an amount of money raised in private equity over the last three to five years that is still not deployed, hmm. that the good businesses, the ones that are built the right way, that have some level of financial stability, dare I say it, sustainability, recurring mm-hmm. recurring income in markets that you know you know we've gone through a pandemic and they they weren't disrupted, right? That sort of thing, yeah. they are still going to sell for premiums. Right, because there is still this desire, certainly up the chain, mid-market and above, to buy really good platforms. Yeah. And then, then you go out there and see how you can bolt businesses onto those platforms, you know, that are potentially distressed. But there's a foundation to do so on top of that, and then yeah. you can actually leverage the way that you actually do your buy and build strategy, which yeah. is the whole, yeah. which is the whole value expansion strategy of of private equity anyway. Yeah. So what I think, you know, to summarize all of that if you've got a great business right and you're unique and remarkable in your niche it's built correctly the financials are strong you've already proven that you can resist you know challenges you know it's still a good time still a good time to go out there because the money's there if your business is not like that yeah. right you know be prepared to have multiples falling and more aggressive negotiation and i do think people are still going to put their businesses on the market because people just don't want to go through this this cycle again so that's what i'm saying
1: I concur with all of that. I I think that I've always predicted that as we go from whatever year we're in and we go towards 2030, it always felt like valuations were going to barbell, right? And because because this isn't like the stock market where certain companies can come in and certain companies can't, right? It's just sort of like everything's in there, right? It's like, you got to discern which ones. So it seems to me like the like what is the average valuation is going to be less and less meaningful and it's going to stretch out into two camps. So that's, and I also believe there's never a bad time to sell a good business
0: i agree with that 100 percent. and people talk about trying to pick the market but the one thing that's interesting with you know four trillion bucks sitting you know in these in the private equity landscape and the transition of private equity and how it's evolved even over the last sort of five ten years yeah you know if you've got a great business and you can understand what that means right you know those businesses stand out i'm gonna i'm not gonna use the word unicorn because it's a crappy thing they stand out like beacons versus businesses that are not So, Uh so my advice to people is just focus on building a high-value business, right? Understand what that means, and then you can control. You can have sell-side control of how you then enter the capital markets to get what your ultimate outcome is. Totally, good fun. We could geek for hours on this, Walker. Oh yeah, (laughs) geek away, geek away. But we're at time. We are at time. No, Um, all right. I know. I
1: terrible, wasn't it? Um,
0: This has been fun. Then thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Nick, it's been so fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Incredible. I just want
0: to say, I just want to say, like, I think the stuff, you know, I'm glad that we got to connect. And I'm super pleased that we share a very similar philosophy on what, what this actual market is, this, this, this education and the opportunity around the M&A space yeah. and the fact that we want to do it the right way. I can't reiterate enough how important that is because I think, you know, the, I think it has got the potential right out of all different asset classes and everything else to make major shifts over the next decade and i want um the right the right people championing that so it's great to be able to see you're one of them and uh it's been a pleasure an absolute honor to have you on the show today
1: nick the pleasure is mine thanks brother
0: hey thank you for listening to this episode of scale up with nick bradley or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and
1: mastermind programs. See you soon.